Welcome to the Gay Buddhist Forum, where teachers from all schools of Buddhism offer their perspectives on the Dharma and its application in modern times, especially for LGBTQI audiences. These talks are offered freely to the world and made possible by appreciative listeners. If you would like to support our efforts to share the Dharma with underserved audiences, please visit gaybuddhist.org. There you can donate, find a list of upcoming speakers, or enjoy many hundreds of these recorded talks dating back to 1996. Good morning and welcome to the Gabriel's Fellowship. Um, is anybody here for the first time or here at, back after a long absence? What's your name? My name is Ed. Hi, Ed. Welcome. Okay. My name is Matt. Hi, Matt. Welcome. I'm Michael. Hi, Michael. Welcome. I'm Ron. Shinsen. Hi, Shinsen. Welcome. Yes. I'm Stephen visiting from Portland. Um, uh, she's the Dharma heir of Zenko Blanche uh, Hartman in the tradition of Sunryu Suzuki Roshi, born into a Buddhist family in Vietnam, began her meditation practice in the insight tradition of Spirit Rock. Her Soto Zen training began at Tassahara Monastery, where she lived from 2002 to 2005, practiced monastically in Japan and Vietnam, founding member of the Buddhists of Color in 1998. While she placed uh, her trust and faith in Soto Zen, she continues to enjoy the deep silence of insight practices and has completed retreats in the United States and Thailand. Drawing from her monastic experiences, she endeavors to share ways in which the deep settledness of traditional practices can be brought into everyday life. Lien's aim as a teacher is incorporating what are typically considered insight techniques to help make Soto Zen practice accessible to all. And uh, her website is access to zen.org. Um, so at this point, I'm going to turn it over to Zen. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Oh, and I didn't see. So, I live in the Civic Center, Tenderloin area, and I didn't see so many Beta Breaker costume. <laughs> Surprise, actually. In the past years, it's been packed down there, so I don't know whether just because it's later. Um, how many people here? Oh, well, first, let's start. Why do you come here? Just yell it out. Why do you come here? Support. Sangha. Support. Sangha. Say, say more about Sangha for those who don't Community. know. Community. Community. I didn't hear some of the other ones. See friends. See friends. Snacks. Snacks. <laughs> Teaching. Meditation. Meditation. Fellowship. Fellowship. <clears throat> right. And how many people? I, I saw the newbies. Um, and uh, how many people have been coming here? Not for not for a year. A year. One year. Yeah. Now, okay. When when you have many years, wait till I get. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so just raise your hand once. You know, I'm going to jump around a little, so 
one year, okay, um, three years, okay, five, okay, eight, if you know you're around there, then you, you go up or down, whatever your choice is, uh, being upper, you know, top or bottom, it's up to you, um, uh, 10, 12, 15, 20, 25, 30, I know there's a scripture in around all time, because uh, Blanche used to come here, I heard. Um, did I say 30 already? Yeah, I think 30's the limit. All right, let's, let's see, 31, <laughs> 32. All right. but we should be careful who we give authority to, <laughs> consent or not, consent or not. Shame right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, and on a certain level, actually, I didn't mean to say this, but since it came up, so on a certain level, you have given me your consent, right? Because I'm in the teacher seat. I'm in the top seat right now. And um, <coughs> so I actually want to do something a little bit different today. And I will tell you it's because um, for several years now, I've been teaching for a while. And I'm not, in part, what is the first noble truth? Tell me what the first noble truth is. There is suffering. There is suffering, or it's the words dukkha, which other translations are dis-ease, dissatisfaction, and discontent. Mm. So what is the second noble truth? So in life, there's dis-ease, discontent, dissatisfaction, and we're, and what do what is the practice instruction for the first noble truth? People know that. No, that's the fourth noble truth. Right. So, that's the actually, they're very specific practice instruction for each of the noble truth. So, what's the first? Knowledge. Knowledge. That's a decent word. How do you go? How do you get to acknowledging? I almost say that's the third. Hmm? Mindfulness. Mindfulness. Uh-huh. That's a kind of practice. Investigation. Yeah, that's good. Inve- yes, you guys know this. I'm just here to point the finger. Um, so, investigation. So, what's a second noble truth? There's, there's, a there's a cause. What's the cause? Attachment. Attachment. Aversion. Hmm? Aversion. Aversion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, on a certain level, that's. Classically, it would be, uh, one word, the word is tanha, right? T-A-N-H-A. The literal translation is thirst. So it isn't so much, okay, who dimmed the lights? Or did it just happen? (laughs) Oh, okay. Oh, oh, okay. (laughs) Some higher authority than me dimmed the lights, okay. Um, All right, I was just like, wait a minute. Okay. So, so the second noble truth is tanha, which um, is often translated as attachment. I like to say, and I, I did get this from Gail Fronstahl, right? um, and that it's that it's more obsessiveness. So it's the quality of attachment. Right? Or sometimes uh, the translation is grasping, which is also closer. And, of course, I like obsession because like one has to grasp to hold on to this. But, or and... If I'm, what's your name? Rich. 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 Yeah, I'm a little hard of hearing too. So, um, 
if I'm holding this and I'm grasping, Rich, try to take this away from me, right? right? If I'm obsessive about it, we, <laughs> we're going to get in conflict. So this is why the quality is really important. It's not just grasping or attachment, because we get attached to all sorts of things. And some attachment is useful to us. And well, actually, any attachment can be useful to us. It's about when does it not become, or better yet in terms of just Buddhist context, when does it bring harming and when is it not harming, right? So like, part of the reason we all come here is we can say things like, you know, bondage and, you know, S&M. So that's very consent, right? And so there's a degree, you know, you could say outwardly, you could say, oh, that's harming. But if people consent and there's safety around it, then that's not for those two people who are more people who consent. That's not harming, is it? So this is why it's important that obsessiveness. And what is the practice instruction for that? Hmm. Classically, is is to abandon. Hmm? This is why letting go is so big. Classically, it's to abandon. I would say I don't care for that so much because it's so hard to abandon, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it gives you the sense of unless I can do that, I'm not doing it right. So I like to think of it as much more to really not just to investigate, but to kind of have much more um, depth of investigation. So, and then the third noble truth is? The second is the cause. So what there is a, there's a way out. There's a way out, yes. Or there's, uh, Han has a lovely way of putting it. Healing is possible. Right? So where is it that we grasp or we are obsessive that um, we can not obsess? Right? Or we have a sense of the spaciousness around it or to be able to uh, see, to, to have a sense that we can let go. Uh, or we, we have some ease from that quality of obsessive. Because obsessiveness is, is difficult. It brings a lot of suffering, don't you think? Again, the one I always say, because I think most of us can relate, is remember when you were a teenager and your first crush, right? You're just obsessed about it. And most of us, it looks like a, my age, around my age. So um, those are the days you still can pick up a regular phone and call and they don't know who's calling, you know, and then you hang up. So, but you just have to hear their voice or, you know, you're trying to work up saying, hi, right? This is, this is Leanne, but you can't. So then, but it's that obsessive. And come on, who has like done it over and over? Right? So, so that's why obsessiveness, okay? And then, so the fourth noble truth is the Eightfold Path, which classically it would be to say that there's a way out, right? Or there is a way of developing how to do it, or the practice. And in Buddhism, it is the Eightfold Path. And uh, so I already gave you the, the practice instruction, which is to develop it. So it's a practice. Hmm? So this is a part why um, I have uh, gone to the point where Really, I'm not so interested, even though I just kind of did, give you information and teaching. Because, you know, information's useful. Information is useful. And, um, and I have practice in the Vipassana. We really should say insight tradition and the Zen tradition. Soto Zen. Um, some Vietnamese Zen. 
And so, um, what is the big difference in practice between the one and the other? Well, this is key. Mm. And why I have practiced both, I'm a Zen teacher. Okay. So, one big thing, and this is why I love to sit quiet. I still go on retreat. In fact, I'm going on a two-week retreat this year. I did my whole schedule so I could actually go away for two weeks. Um, versus usually, you know, one week separate, um, two separate, and and that's because I like to sit long. So I love that silence, and I'm doing a vipassana retreat, right? Um, so, and then with Zen, the hard part of Zen, who here has done a Zen one day or more? Okay, what what was hard about it for you? I have an addiction to stimulation. <laughs> There's a lot of getting up and doing things and coming back, is that what you mean? Watching like, TV, looking at the computer, and... Oh, and then Zen TV. retreat, this is what you did? <laughs> this is what I didn't do. Oh, you did do it. That was hard. Okay. But wouldn't that be hard in a Vipassana retreat, too? It's the same. It's yeah, yeah. So what was it about the Zen one that was hard? Just curious. Personally, when I first went to... Um, I did Vipassana for like five and a half years. Then I didn't really intend to do Zen. I went to Tassajara. Who here has been to Tassajara? It's a monastery of Zen center. Um, for the summer, if you work the summer, you earn two, at, in my days, you have to work the whole five and a half months of summer to gain two practice period, which is two 90 days. And in the, in the winter, it becomes the monastery. Right? And so I was just intending to earn the credit to do a three month retreat any three-month retreat at that point. So I was just going to do the Zen because I was, you know, I could earn the money basically to do it. Um, so then it, obviously I got bit by the Zen bug. Yeah. So you can't see it, but it's there. And, um, <laughs> and it's just as annoying as those mucus flies. <laughs> um, so anyway, I got bit. And so um, what was I trying to say about that? Oh, so I didn't intend to do Zen. So when I first got to Tassajara, you know, there was Zazen instruction, which is basically what? How to get in and out of the Zendo, how to bow your seat, how to get on, how to have good posture, counting breath. That was about it. And oh, and how to exit and how you shouldn't wear shorts and all sorts of rules, right? So then I go to sit that night and there was drumming, there was bells, there was also an what? and you're facing the wall, right? So you don't even know what's going on. It's just all these noises. And so I'm like, this is so noisy. Ooh, I hate Zen, <laughs> right? Oh no, three, five and a half months. This is gonna be a long five and a half months, right? And then if you've been on a Zen retreat, there's chanting, there's serving food, there's work for goodness sake, right? I pay money and now I have to work, right? In fact, when I was at Tassajara, friends said, you know, like, Tassajara loved to have the New York Times or whatever write about it. And so a friend had sent me an article and said, I didn't know you pay money to work. <laughs> Why would you pay money to go work somewhere, right? So, now, but obviously I'm a Zen, not only because I got bit by a, a bug and it's a, a bad virus. Um, that was a joke. Um, it's because it's difficult. It's really difficult, I think, to take that, what, that silence, that depth that you get from that stillness. Come on in. Don't be shy. 
Yeah, join us. Um, so it's hard. It's hard to do because the, the first thing, the main thing, one of the very, very main thing about Zen, and of course, and this, this, this isn't. It isn't so much that it's Zen in the sense of. Hmm, how do I want to put this? Um, we have to understand history a little bit. So the the Theravadan, or there were people meditating, of course. And so, welcome. And as opposed to the opposite, sorry. <laughs> like life. Uh, so so of course people are meditating, mm-hmm. and then the insight or Theravadan people were kind of like in power, right? And so they've come to the point, and Zen to me is like, um, sorry, Vipassana to me is like essays, right? Where there's a lot of instruction. And when you do this, this will happen, right? Isn't that wonderful? Whenever I go on a Vipassana retreat, I'm like, ah, oh, I'm going to come back. And just because it's like, it's so cool <clears throat> to say you, you investigate like this, you pay attention like this, and this is what you'll see. He really takes that instruction of investigation to the utmost. Now the problem was that at that time, don't ask me what century because I'm bad at that part. <laughs> it got to the point where they said only certain monks, and it was monks, doing certain kind of practices will attain enlightenment because they could get so precise in their meditation. right? And so then there was this whole revolution basically that says, oh, you know what? Lay people women, people who aren't monastic, have the quality of awakening already, right? And so it doesn't have to be so nitty-gritty. And so, and part of that was this whole um, philosophy of, you know what, you can't conceptualize everything. It can't be too much thinking and do, doing in the sense of the mind, <coughs> doing only, right? And so it's very much more about bringing it into your life how does it work in your life? How does it work in your life, right? And stop thinking about it. Or as I like to say, take the Ovapasana thing, is that in insight, we're asked to investigate. And let's say we say this is your hand. Right? So look at your hand. What do you notice about your hand? Oh, it has five. These are the thumb. These are fingers. And then what else do you see? And you go, oh, there's skin. There's lines. And then what else do you see? What else do you see? <laughs> and then pretty soon, like you're with your hand completely. Now, whereas in Zen, it says, okay, this is your hand, right? What, 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 what do you see in your hand? What, what is your hand? And then it just goes, <laughs> stop, you know, just stop that. Like, just stop thinking so much about it. Just feel this hand. Just feel this hand completely. What, does, what is this hand? Not, not so much as a thought, but what is your experience, right? This is the experience this way, and this is the experience of life. Sure, it's sure, right? Almost like that. So, so today, I'm getting to the point of today. <laughs> today, I, what I would really like to do is to, um, who here knows metta? I said metta. So many of us have done metta, and many of us have, and who here finds metta difficult? as a meditation. Yeah. Who, who here feels, let me phrase it a little bit more, who here feels sincere when they do metta? <laughs> <laughs> ah, ah, these are the nuances, right? Who here, better yet, who here feels sincere all the time? Who here feels metta all the time? You don't, 
right? In fact, I was just thinking, it's a good example. So I was walking down this block, and I haven't been here since last time I talked here, like a year ago or something. So at the end of the block, the building says, the sign says Vida. Did anyone notice that? That's like a neon sign, it says Vida, which I think means life, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah that's what I thought. Um, so it says Vida, and I will say, I looked at it and I was like, is this a store? Is this a condo? What is it, right? And I thought, oh, life. Okay, well, then what? You know, that's a nice name for anything, right? Life. Ah, yeah, life, right? And then I'm walking down the block, and then there's a sign that says, um, speed hump. But first, of course, what did I read? Speed bump, right? Have you noticed? There's a speed hump. So as we go in life, there's a speed hump. <laughs> right? It's not so smooth. By the way, dukkha, dukkha, the explanation of dukkha is that it's a wheel that's not turning smoothly. So there's, it's off kilter because there are bumps and potholes in the road. So this is what dukkha is, when things are not flowing smoothly. So, so a lot of, in the West, we mostly think of practice as meditation. And of course it is. And, or, or more clearly, I should say, we think of um, practice as meditation to um, bring a certain kind of, like we're all looking for insight because we think it will change us. It will make us calmer. Who here didn't, I came to meditation to be nicer, right? I, I'm a little bit of a, if you haven't noticed already, a little bit of a, like, you know, pushy, like, kind of person. Right? which works well for Zen. Some people would even use the B word, right? <laughs> and my girlfriend has a few times. So. Okay? So, so I just, you know, realizing that that can wear on people, I came to practice to be calmer, nice, nicer, definitely nicer. Hmm? So, so we want things, we want ourselves to be different. We want ourselves to be better. And, and I think that's, that's good. It, it, it isn't that we shouldn't have those kind of aspirations. And, and um, we also hear a lot about how meditation should have, make you present, wouldn't you say? Present. Right? And all that actually is possible, except it's very difficult to do. As a, as a very, um, as a practice, it takes a lot of steps to get there, including anyone who's meditated for a long time, mostly what you're doing in the beginning and of every period, if not for many days on a, on a many-day retreat, or at least the first two or three days of a retreat, is that um, you're, you're building concentration. You're actually building the ground a lot for that to happen. And so the Buddha actually taught many um, ways to kind of calm the water, including the heart. Calm the, the, our emotional life. And, and by that, actually, heart and mind are not separate, so it also calms the mind before you do investigative, true vipassana kind of meditation. Right? That's difficult. Right? So, so um, generosity, this is why he always talks about generosity first, or he talks about gratitude. A lot of lists, dhanas, in the beginning, or precepts are actually in the beginning. If you think about the Eightfold Path, First, you have wisdom. So yes, some information, right? The, the whole kind of map of Buddhism. Then it's about how do you behave, right? Be right intentions first, and then in terms of the three groups of the Eightfold Path, and then it's about wise speech, 
wise action and wise livelihood. Those are how do we behave with ourselves and with others. And then the last is wise effort, wise mindfulness, and wise concentration. These are the things we think much more about when we think about meditation. So, the four Brahma Baharas, uh, or the, the four divine abodes, are considered practices to bring that ease. This is why when you do metta, you do the phrases in a repetitive manner, because that's concentration. Anything that's repetitive builds concentration. Right? And so you actually, that's part of it before, it is both also vipassana, because the insight will arise in the doing, in the purification. Because you, until you do it, you're not going to realize the sincerity <coughs> of it. It's just, if it's just a thought, then, you know, we all have those aspirations to be kind, to be compassionate, to have joy for others, and not jealousy, or to be equanimous, right? So, so today, um, we're going to do metta, and then we're going to do some exercises to really know what are we saying? What does it mean? These are the classic metta phrases. May I be filled with loving kindness. But what is kindness? Or loving kindness, for that matter. May I be well. What is wellness? And in our community, wellness is huge. What does that mean? And what does it mean right now for you? Not your thought of it. Okay. And um, what is peace and ease? That's up as an aspiration in my thought. Um, and what is happiness exactly? Right. Right. So now we're going to meditate. All that. And then we're going to meditate. Yes? Okay, follow me. Uh, in the, and we're just going to do um, two categories, and then we're going to do it again at the end. So how, this is a, today a meta practice in the sense of, what does it feel right now? Just everything I've said, all your experience with it. Then we're going to investigate it a little bit more, in a very, not just talking about it, but a very specific way. And then, um, then we're going to go back to the meditation and see, how does it feel? once you've gotten closer to it, once you've investigated. Oh, by the way, the third noble truth um, not only is abandoned, um, it's also, uh, sorry, the practice instruction for the fourth noble truth is to realize. Not only to de through development. So to realize is not just intellectual understanding, but to fully know it in, in so many layers of ourselves. Right? All right, here we go. I say the phrase, you repeat it silently to yourself. I'll lead you through it. Don't worry. Oh, three bells in my tradition to start one day. All right, and any of the Brahma Bihara meditations, sincerity is more important than anything. By sincerity, it is your sincerity. And so, you want to listen to the tone of how you say the phrases. And you want to um, be as sincere as possible. And by this I mean that, let's say, we're going to start with a good friend. And let's say you pick your best friend. I'll just say, Jane. And as we do it, and maybe you just had a little fight with Jane last week and you thought it was all resolved, but then you started feeling, oh, I don't know. Then just switch 
to a different, well, first actually, you could visualize Jane in any way that we see. Maybe now Jane for you is when you first met her 20 years ago, when you guys were eight, okay, you're not that young, but anyway, let's pretend. So pretending's okay, basically, in metta. Visualize any way that that person can. Or if that doesn't work, Jane can be a puppy dog or a rose. Any way that you know that your sincerity of these phrases to Jane will work. All right, so we are doing a good friend. And remember, you're not trying to fix them or yourself. And at any point, there's any tightness in body or mind or heart, you can just shift a little bit. And as metta can be translated as loving kindness, goodwill, or unconditional friendliness. If I use one word and you <coughs> like another one, just use the one you like. <coughs> All right, so first, let's feel your subtleness. And then really bring your attention to Generally, we would say perhaps the heart area, where your good heart is. And if for you it feels more like in your gut, <coughs> or your head, or wherever it is, it's all right. So you want to feel connected to that. <coughs> to have confidence in your sincerity. We begin where we are confident. <coughs> and if it's just a little confidence, it's better than no confidence at all. So any amount of confidence is enough, is good. So now you're gonna visualize a good friend or a group of good friends. I say the category. If you obviously have a name, you can use the name. And remember, you repeat it silently to yourself. May my good friend, your loving kindness, here and now. this friend be able to access a sense of well-being whenever they need it. May my good friend know peace and ease any way they define it. And let my good friend know true happiness all the days of his, her, or their lives. On the next inhale, you're going to connect 
with your sense of sincerity and your good heart. And on the exhale, you're going to send it to your good friend with fullness of heart, no strings attached. So with absolute sincerity for them to do with as they wish. And connect with yourself right here, right now. And really locate it, your sincerity in your body. I'm actually going to add a category, so we'll do three. And now visualize yourself in any way that can receive. And again, if I say the phrase in a certain way, let's say I say all the days of your life, and that feels hard, then say here and now, or whenever I need it. So you can tweak it. Just don't spend a lot of time trying to figure the quote-unquote right phrase. Just what is sincere, what comes up that feels connecting, that feels meaningful. May I feel unconditional friendliness towards myself whenever I need it. Let me be able to know any sense of well-being whenever I need it. the nature of peace and ease. I am happy. On the next inhale, we're going to connect to any sense that you know that these wishes are true and possible. And on the exhale, you're going to feel it permeating every pore of your being. And if that's not possible, any pore of your being. Any part that can just let it be known as true and possible. Again, take a few breaths to connect with yourself. If it's useful to touch your heart space or the ground, perhaps your gut, whatever it is that feels sincere. All right, and now visualize all beings. Remember this is without exception. So if there's, it's hard to imagine everyone, including whoever, that's difficult, then you can also visualize this as energy radiating far and wide. May all beings, without exception, know goodwill.
Let every one of us, without exception, be able to access a sense of well-being whenever we need it. May I, everyone in this room, everyone outside of this room, all beings, know peace and ease. And may everyone, including this one, know true happiness all the days of our lives. On the next inhale, connect with how you know that this is true and possible. And on the exhale, you're going to feel it permeating any or all pores inside and then extending far and wide in all directions and all times. Right, and then locate it in yourself. See if you can feel it in any part of your body. The body is always present. So locate this. To locate it now, just trust. Like right now I'm feeling it between my shoulder blades. Just trust that that's where my sincerity is. It doesn't have to quote unquote make sense. people? Yeah. Anything anyone wanted to say about that? Alright, so here's the part where maybe some resistance will come up. You know, just hold it as much as you can. Of course, we're all adults and so how you choose to, to be with that is for you. And I will say the part of our practice, of course. This is why the, the first noble truth is disease, discontent, and dissatisfaction. Not that, of course, there's satisfaction, there's contentment, and there's ease also. And yet it's, um, it's the premise of Buddhism that when those, the, the harder thing, of course, is to stay with that. This is why we run, we deny, we distract ourselves. So a lot of our practice is about, practice in a way really begins at that moment when your foot starts to hurt. Or it feels uncomfortable meditating. And so we stay there and we see what are our reactive patterns. And then we get to, once we know it fully, once we've investigated it, once we've gotten really close, when we realize what happens there, right? Do I beat myself up? 
shame? Do I blame other people? How many people in the beginning or still, when you're meditating, or like just now, you're going, when is she going to hit that damn bell? <laughs> when will she shut up? Right? Or you go, oh, I wish I'd been meditating, or I wish I was better at metta, right? Or did you, you know, so we, we watch what happens there. And when we get so close to it that we realize that, oh, this is harming. Right? To beat myself up or to say that that's her fault. Like, did she make me come today? No, I, I didn't call on you and say, well, maybe I did say, so are you coming tomorrow? Right? She's a student, so there might be some weight to that. So. I apologize if that was harmful. Um, forgiveness is a lot of part to practice, too. So. Anyway, so what I'd like us to do, and this again comes from Thich Nhat Hanh, and um, someone's, who was it asking me about Thich Nhat Hanh this morning? Yes. Could, I'm sorry, this is, could you speak up a little? Yeah, I will try, yes. It was fine when you're at this point, but the point where okay. you're getting trouble. Yeah. I will try. Just wave your arms too. I'm from, I like to say I'm from Blanche's lineage, and she mumbles, if you remember. So I'm actually hard of hearing, too, so maybe that's why. Um, so we are going to do a deep listening practice. How many people here have done deep listening? I know what that is. Okay, my students have, of course. Deep listening. Uh, so Thich Nhat Hanh, it started out really, my understanding is from Thich Nhat Hanh, and um, he says when you listen to a Dharma talk, usually... Um, you're going, oh, I like it, or I don't like it, or I don't know if that's true, or, you know, oh, I have a similar example, and, you know, in the break, I'm going to talk to her. And um, so, you liking, disliking, of course, that's how it is, except for you're not doing what? Listening only, mm-hmm. or, or he put it as deep listening. Um, so... Uh, uh, practices to how can we just receive information by the way if you have any sense of talking with teachers and in interviews either on retreat or in Zen practice discussion of Dokusan, that's what a teacher does is they sit there and they listen of course the practice is at some point you learn to uh, they will listen and you speak right? so, so in this someone's always speaking so it's also called I like to call it deep speaking to so you're, what you're doing is you're providing a container. Again, so much of practice is, as a teacher is providing container, and as a practitioner is stepping into the container and giving yourself to the container. That's what, this is when meditation becomes more useful, is when you don't fight so much what meditation is. You just trust the technique that you've learned or that's being offered. So um, you're going to pair up, and I was thinking this is a great way um, since this chair is two rows, the, you just turn one set of chairs around so that you're you know, facing someone in a chair and then the people in the cushion can face each other. And we're going to rotate, so don't worry. Right? Um, oh, yeah, so we come here for community. How many people, you guys have been here a long time and you guys do have social time, so many of you probably know each other. And yet so many... Re, um, uh, meditation group, you know, you come and then you just leave, right? Or you don't really have to know each other. So it's a great way to know community with practice, too. And we want connection, right? How many of us want connection? Um, so, um, 
perhaps resistance, perhaps bladder, I don't know. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. it's, okay. Uh, so you're going to face each other. We're going to do rounds of four minutes of speaking. And I hope it sounds a little long and we're having some trepidation. Part of it is because we also tell a story of ourselves and it tends to just go in a cyclical way. And so the container is hopefully to see if you can speak spontaneously allowing. And when someone is just listening, for many of us, that's an opportunity, right? To just say whatever we need to say, all right? So we're gonna do four minutes of listening. I am gonna tell you the topic, and I am gonna ask you to say it the way I asked you to start, because it's, again, um, intentional in that, just like the meta phrases have an intention. And then we'll have 30 seconds of silence. I'll ring the bell, 30 seconds of silence, and then the other person will speak the same topic. And then we're just going to scoop down. It's kind of like speed dating. <laughs> that part's speedy, but the speaking is deep. Does that make sense? Want to try it on? Yeah. Okay, great. So people in chairs this way turn around. You all come face each other. Make sure there's someone in front of you. I will have a handout at the end, so don't worry. And I'm going to lead you all the way. Don't worry. And try to face each other directly. And of course, so that you can hear each other. Again, my thought is that we say these phrases and then what do they really mean? So the first one will be, what is kindness? If you prefer goodwill, then you just say goodwill. If you prefer unconditional friendliness, then you say unconditional friendliness. So have you picked who's going first? What are we supposed to do? I'm going to tell you. See, the reason I didn't tell you before because then you rehearse. I'm mean, aren't I? This is, this is that part I've been trying to work on. No, I'm just. You know, it's lesbian, we're very controlling. <laughs> are we supposed to have our eyes closed? No. no. Uh, so you're deeply connecting. So in most of our, in the US, most of us making eye contact is good, but of course, you know, you, that doesn't mean you can't blink or close your eye a little bit. And also, by the way, was four minutes, you can pause the speaker, can pause, and yet if you maybe don't speak the whole time, you're probably not using the container fully. And again, we're all adults, so do, do whatever you do. Right? So, you're going to start out by saying, I know kindness and then you just speak for you. I know kindness as. Does that make sense? I know kindness as. Ready? Four minutes, the first person, go. Thank you.
you've heard or what you've said, maybe closing your eyes right now is useful. And try not to think. Not that that's bad. Just try to feel. Try to let it be an experience, what you heard or what you said. This is the speed dating part, so thank your partner quickly. And then uh, the people on the cushion, since it's easy to move, just switch however. Switch partner. I think for the people in the chair, this side of the chair, the people at the back to me, you probably have more space. So why don't you all move? You all move one seat to the right. The the ones that with the wall be on their back to stay seated. Everyone move right. You guys just switch. Switch however. Change your partner. Change in some way. Come on, that means you have to get up, guys, and move around. <laughs> over here. Over here. Somebody over here. Jack. Go. Find uh, four minutes. Okay. 
person. For me, wellness now is. Go. said or heard, just reach your heart and mind. Okay, one more round. Switch again. Thank you, partner. Switch. Last round.
thank your partner, then everyone turn your seat and face me. And then we're gonna we will have time to we will have time to process some and we're gonna straight back into the meditation. This is a lot of practice and Zen practice in particular. Moving from silence or stillness or practice into meditation. Okay, here we go. In your seat. Three bells to start, one thing. your subtleness and as the body is always present finding just one point in your posture or and or one point in your breath that you feel, you feel connected to is really useful for feeling centeredness and again Connect with your sincerity and however it comes, including, is it in your heart space, gut space, head space, wherever it is. From this place of sincerity, you're going to visualize a good friend, one whom it's really easy to give these phrases to and you know they will receive it easily. May this good friend know loving kindness here and now. Let a sense of wellness be known to them whenever they need it. May my good friend be able to access peace and ease. And let true happiness follow my good friend all the days of their lives. On the inhale, connect with how you know that it's true and possible, any sense of it. And on the exhale, you're gonna send it unconditionally to your good friend or friends for them to do with as they wish. Now visualize yourself. Any sense of yourself can receive. Factual truth is not as important as the sincerity and knowing that it will land and absorb, even if just a little bit. May I let kindness into my life whenever it's offered. Let me know wellness 
here and now. May I connect to peace and ease in body, heart, and mind whenever I need it. And let me learn confidence and true happiness all the days of my life. On the inhale, connect with any sense or all sense that knows that it's possible. And on the exhale, you're gonna let it permeate any part of you that can receive. Perhaps it's just your pinky, Let it absorb unconditionally. Now visualize all beings without exception. May every one of us know goodwill. Let it be possible that everyone can connect with a sense of wellness whenever they need it. May all beings, including this one, know that peace and ease is our birthright. And let all of us, without exception, know that true happiness is possible all the days of our lives. On the inhale, connect with any sense that knows that is true and possible, as trust and confidence in your good heart, and on the exhale, Feel it permeating inside, outside, up, down, all around, in the ten directions, in the three times. meditation did it well let me ask did it seem to feel more sincere or land better after the exercises yes yeah. mm -hmm. did anyone have any aha about the aspects of what it takes what is what is meta I did this uh, a couple of nights ago and someone said oh when they got the happiness, they were like, oh, I started talking about peace and ease, right? Or the other qualities of you. And they realized, oh, that's what happiness is. So that was an aha. Sometimes we just say these things, you know, because we learn them. And, but what, this, this is what makes happiness. Right? This is what makes all the other support loving kindness. Remember, it's 20, almost 2,600 years of practice, so. They've tweaked this a little bit. 
some sense of what it might be. Anything else? Yes. Well, you just said the word goodwill, and I realized that it wasn't something that came up when I was talking about mm -hmm. these qualities, and it just was like a ha. Mm -hmm. That's the word. Those are the words I couldn't bring up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, do you, by that, mm -hmm. do you mean that now resonates more, or it's hard to? No, to they resonate more. Uh -huh. They like tie everything together. Yeah, a few years ago, I was talking Mecca during Christmas, and I was thinking, oh, Christmas, you know, got what that one that one song, God bless ye, merry gentlemen, blah blah blah, right? And I was like, oh, this is all about goodwill, right? Yeah. Similar to Mecca, and that's where I started thinking the two. Yeah. Yes. So the second time I felt softer and. You know, and thinking about it, like three times I received the gift of loving kindness because presence was something that came up in, in all of those things for me. Um, presence? Presence. Not present. Right. Gifts, yeah. Um, and, and these three people offered me their presence and that they were present to my hearing me, and I offered that to them. And so it was. So the method was coming from a space of loving kindness after the Can I ask you a question? Yeah. And what um do you, do you think that the container help you to connect that its presence? That's often the the gift. Yeah. Anything else? It can be about the process. Yes? I like the part about the sincerity and visualizing mm -hmm. that because that wasn't usually something that I did in previous meta mm -hmm. practice, but I appreciated that, and we even laughed about it earlier about how sincere it is, you know, especially towards people we don't care about as mm -hmm. much. Mm -hmm. So that was a very good um, mm -hmm. part of it, you know, visualizing it and trying to send that out. Yeah. So. Classically, the categories are self. And traditionally, the next one is benefactor or teacher. Now we say good friend. Or, and then neutral person. So this is someone you care about a lot, love, very easy to love, neutral. And the next one, classically, the wording is enemy. Now we say difficult or challenging. <laughs> Sometimes this one and this one are similar, right? <laughs> and, um, all beings, right? Without exception. So it's very, and some of the other Brahmavara changes a little bit, but all beings always last because we're trying to expand, right? And also, though, you know, traditionally in the Theravada, it is talked about as things you cultivate. I like to say that these are things we already have, but it's hard to access. So my analogy is always this, for like pumping, these these are the kind of, you know, I haven't been to the gym in a long time, but, um, you know, different kind of weights that you want to pump. But So just like with weights, you don't want too much weight because then it'll crash on you and you'll hurt your muscles. So just enough to help strengthen it. So whenever you need it, you have the strength. Right? So we're... This is why sincerity is key. 
The other thing we don't think a lot about in the West when we're practicing is that um, it is very much in the Buddhist practice that um, it isn't just to be with present, with things as they are, but that's important without a doubt. Often it's also what is the quality of mind that you want to continue, right? We're training our heart and mind to have a certain quality, right? Not just to, to react to things, but really as the thing that carries us always. So these are qualities. If you want it, you need to, you need to ex- not only access it, but you need to practice it. This is why more and more I just like, how do I create containers of practice for people? And also this is why, you know, Dogen, the founder of Soto Zen, right? his big thing was, um, do people know what Buddha nature is? is it? Only supposedly mentioned once in the Theravon text, but in Mahayana, that's the, the whole thing. And that's your capacity for awakening. Right? And, the, and the quality of that, and that you know that in everyone else. That's the hard part, right? <laughs> that everyone is a Buddha, and I'm a Buddha. But that, that capacity is present. It's hard to access it. So, um, and so. Dogen's big koan is if we ha- all have Buddha nature, this is my wording, why the fuck should we practice? Right? Um, and so then he's the one that came up with practice realization as one word. Because in the doing, we realize. It's not thinking about it. You're not gonna, because if we thinking could solve things, we would all be nicer people. The world would be a better place because we all we all have aspirations of peace and ease and happiness, and yet it's the engaging and how to keep on knowing that and sharing that and connecting it with others. Right? This is why so much of practice is about being in the world, not what you think about yourself or the world. How is it happening? 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 Yes. The, the process of speaking I found to be more uh, challenging and interesting than just s- speaking in my head, mm-hmm. you know, trying to say something to somebody else, it forces you to go into new territory. Uh-huh. And you sure it was only four minutes? <laughs> <laughs> You're lucky, often in, I have seven minutes. <laughs> I was being very kind. <laughs> May I ask you a question? What is your name? Henry. Henry. Um, can you share anything that was, what was interesting? I think you used the word interesting when you spoke. Something new that you discovered, if you want to. New. Um, uh, maybe that, um, that I'm more aware of feelings of happiness than I realized. Ah. This is the other thing I really... Sorry, I'm having a moment. Um, It is true, you know. This is the other thing about Buddha nature, is that we do believe we have everything we need already. Everything you need, you already have. Not necessarily how you think it should manifest. <laughs> and yet, I think sometimes it's actually really harder to live from knowing that. And so, to me, Buddha, na- how to live from that. And so, to me, Buddha nature is not a thing. 
or even a quality. Buddha nature is an attitude. How do I live more confident that I can live from love, from happiness, from ease, from satisfaction, from contentment? Sometimes that's hard, from tenderness, isn't it? Mostly we go around going, mm, I, don't know. I don't know, is it safe? And especially as, as queers, especially as oppressed people. So much of it is we're living defended. Of course, as humans, we all do that. And the more oppressed you are, the more you're been having, feeling you need to do this for good reason a lot of times. So a lot of our practice, this way the posture is a posture of openness and receptivity. To be able to meet the world open-hearted, tenderly, and know that you will sur- not only survive that, but thrive from there. And that's hard. It's hard to live that in a very sustained way. So this way we have to practice it. We all know it. We all want it. But it's re- and it's really hard to do. And so this is what practice is. This is why you have to take it off the cushion. It's a lot easier when it's, you know, my nice little cushion in my, you know, warm corner of my house or in the zendo or whatever. With people I know. This is why we also have to take it out to strangers, to enemies. Yes? So I'm afraid we're at the end of our practice periods. Are you... Do you need to wrap up? And yes, stand? let's wrap up. Let's dedicate the merit. Mm-hmm. Uh, feel free to re- repeat what I say. Oh, you don't have to. For any merit we approve today. For any merit we approve today. We let it absorb in ourselves. We let it absorb in ourselves. Extend to everyone in this room. Extend to everyone in this room. And to all beings. And to all beings. In the ten directions. In the ten directions. And the three times. And the three times. Thank you very much. I would say that I did make up some meta phrases. You can take and put it. I was going to put it on hard cardstock, but I couldn't find any. And so I found some parchment. You can put it on your altar. You can carry around. The whole idea is that it's easy to access. So if you want any, there you go. Right. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Do we have a host today? I'm your host. Uh, <clears throat> there's hot water for tea, there's refreshments. Uh, Christian brought in vegan chocolate chip cookies. Ooh, all right. And I went to Safeway, but <laughs> the grapes are vegan. So let's see. Uh, at 12.30, people gather at the door to go to lunch, so if you'd like to go to lunch, meet then. Uh, there's a sign-up sheet if you want to be on the uh, directory. And I'll be going around with the Donna Bowl. Donna means generosity or giving. And our suggested uh, donation is $10 to pay for the speakers, the rent, dinner at Larkin Suite, which Clint does. We've been doing that for a number of years. Also, we do newsletters that go primarily to prisoners. And uh, that's it. Um, uh, David has asked me to um, mention the uh, Radical Dharma book group that meets here. Uh, the next meeting will be on Sunday, June 2nd from 1 to 3 p.m. 
in this room. The book is um, Awakening Together by Larry Yang. And so David says that it, GDF Sangha members are especially encouraged to join for this particular book over the next month and a half. This book directly asks the questions, how can we embrace diverse identities and experiences within our own spiritual communities, building sanghas that make good on the promise of liberation for everyone. So um, uh, that's on June 2nd, uh, right after, uh, shortly after our, our session. So, and next week is an open discussion. And I think that's, anybody else have any announcements? Um, I'll just say that the next two Fridays at San Francisco Zen Center, City Center, we're going to do compassion, and then we're going to do joy. So, same format. So if you want to bring whomever, yourself, come join us. 7.30 on Fridays, the next two Fridays. Thank you, right, thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for the invitation. Great to connect with you. I'll be out there. I take challenges too, so we're <laughs> quiet and Thank you for listening to the Gay Buddhist Forum. If you would like to hear several new talks per month and be notified of upcoming speakers so you can participate live, please subscribe to this podcast, like us on Facebook, and join our mailing list by visiting gaybuddhist.org.